You want your five star matches? You want your thirty minute classics? Not me. Big meaty man slapping me. Everyone, this is the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, We Too Deep 413. That's going to be my name. Y'all know my real name because I've been saying it on the previous, you know, like 70 something episodes. Which, first off, over 70 episodes is crazy. Um, thank y'all who have listened and supported. Uh, please like, sh- like, subscribe, follow. I don't know how all the podcasts, you know, share it around, comment, leave reviews, do all of that good jazz. Um, also go to the link in my TikTok bio and my Twitter bio. Again, that's We2Deep413. There's a link in there for merch. Not asking you to buy merch, but if you want to buy merch to represent the brand, please do. Uh, it is there for you. Um, today's episode is, um, it's, it's, there's a lot we're going to talk about in this short period of time. And a lot of it is going to be me sort of talking through some talking points that uh, and questions that were asked on uh, the casual wrestling show on the casual community uh, YouTube channel. So again, I like to promote that. Go out to the casual community YouTube channel, follow, subscribe, go to the Discord, join that, join the conversation. Because a lot of what I talk about is spawns from that conversation, um, and so the the questions are on were on. He was talking about, uh, and this is from Thursday's episode. Uh, he was talking about Omos, and he was talking about Rio Ripley and what's next for Rhea, um, and. He asked some good questions on those two topics. There's also some other stories that he uh, that he mentioned and brought to my attention because I don't really pay attention to a lot of the, the drama on the news anymore. Um, there's uh, some some drama dealing with uh, Soraya, and then AEW gets a new TV deal, more than likely going to be announced next week. And then we're going to end the show. Instead of doing... Um, one must go today on this episode. We're going to look back in the past at the Attitude Era. And I'm going to justify a hot take that I have on the Attitude Era. Um, and, and, and there's a reason why I'm picking that to start this sort of idea and topic off of. Is, and, and I'll explain that whole story as well. Um, but first, let's get to these questions on Omos and Rhea from... Nerdy D's uh, podcast. Again, if you haven't listened to that podcast, um, I recommend you listen to that first. Again, the Casual Community YouTube page. Um, the The thumbnail says, uh, can Omos get over or will Omos get over? Something like that. Um, and that's the episode I'm, I'm referring to. 
Um, and so the first question is about Omos. And the, and he was he was asking, like, should we move Omos down to NXT? And that's sort of the solution that I see a lot of people taking with Omos. It's either the quick solution of firing Omos or um, moving Omos down to NXT, so similar to how they did with Mandy Rose. Now, I have a problem with moving Omos to NXT. That The problem I have with moving Omos to NXT is while I think it would benefit Omos, I absolutely think it would benefit Omos to have a, a strong run on NXT, but I also think it will destroy what they're building in NXT. I think it will hurt the rest of the NXT roster. And I just don't think getting Omos over that in that way would justify... Um, hurting other wrestlers progression um nxt to me in a perfect world if i were to take over nxt nxt would be as soon as you're on tv you have six months to prove to me your main roster ready and it's either main roster or pink slip at that point that's how i would run nxt is is you get to the pc you'll train we'll train you we'll make sure you're ready for tv and once you hit tv you have six months to prove your main roster ready because we're, we're, we're bringing in new people behind you. And that should be what NXT is. It should be to develop. Now, I will agree with what Nerdy D said that the dude's 28, which I didn't even realize he was that young. I know he, I knew he was younger, but I didn't realize he was, he was 28. And here's the thing with wrestlers. Like, uh, 90% of the time, I just completely forget that, like, some of the wrestlers we watch, like, Seth Rollins is, like, in his late 30s, early 40s, but he just, it, it doesn't click to me that they're that old. Um, and so, he's 28, I think he has a lot of time to, uh, to build and grow. I just don't know if a move to NXT would justify I, her taking someone else's spot. Um, Another problem I have with moving him to NXT is once you get him to NXT, now you still got to move him back to the main roster where a majority of the fans who watch NXT, or, or excuse me, a majority of the fans who watch the main roster don't watch NXT. That's why there's a, a, a big difference. About half the audience who watches Raw watches NXT. So uh, th that's what the ratings and the numbers show is, is only about 50% who watch Raw watch NXT. So you still got to get him over to the other 50% of the roster who have seen him flop. And so I think rather than moving Omos to NXT, the better solution is just to give him a mid-card title. There's no reason in the world why Omos shouldn't, shouldn't you know, he's a free agent right now, which gives him free reign to any, any brand. There's no reason in the world that stopping Omos from walking up to Austin Theory, challenging Austin Theory, beating Austin Theory, and then having open challenges every week where he begins to win big matches and, and have a really good run with the U.S. title. That's what the mid-card title, to me, should be used for. 
is to see if you're ready to be the world's champion. Now, obviously, Omos is not going to beat Roman Reigns. I've always seen Omos as, you know, his top potential is U.S. Intercontinental Champion, and that's about it, and I think that's fine. So, But I think a legitimate U.S. title reign where he beats Austin Theory, this allows Theory into the universal title picture, where you have Omos come in and defend against the likes of Grayson Waller and... Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles and and I'm trying to think of the other mid-card. Riddle, uh, I think, is on that brand. I, I don't actually know SmackDown's roster, even though it's sitting right in front. Edge, Karrion uh, Cross, LA Knight. You know, there's there's a ton of people on the roster who Omos could come in and get legitimate wins over. I think that would boost him in the same way. I think the problem with Omos isn't necessarily that he's he's bad. It's, I just don't think he's been giving, given the best of booking. He's sort of was put on on this roster to be another big guy. And the idea with I think I think the idea that Vince was using Omos for was Omos is a giant, so when you have a small guy like Seth Rollins beat him, he just beat a giant. Well, the problem with that thinking. And this is where Vince McMahon always got it wrong with the big guys. The problem with that thinking is if you don't make the big guy more than just a big guy, that if Omos can't win, if Omos can't beat Brock Lesnar, then who cares that he can't beat Seth Rollins, right? And so I, I, I don't think NXT is where Omos needs to go. Because if you look at what you have in NXT right now, you have Carmelo Hayes, who defends against Braun Breaker at Battleground on May 28th. I think he I think he retains the title. If it was me, I would have Trick Williams help Carmelo Hayes win the retain the title and then have Trick Williams turn on Carmelo Hayes. And then you can build a Trick Williams Carmelo Hayes feud up until SummerSlam time when they do their next sort of premier live event. It'll either be Survivor Series or SummerSlam. I don't know which one they'll when they'll run it. They'll run the next event, have Trick Williams beat Carmelo Hayes. I think Trick Williams is ready to, to, to be in that limelight. And I also think Carmelo Hayes is going to be the face of the Hurt Business. And that's the only thing that's you know holding back the Hurt Business from joining. So then you put Omos with the Hurt Business to basically do what Trick Williams has been doing in playing bodyguard. I think that's what should happen. That's what I would do. So I think Trick can handle his own, and he's going to need some more development. And I think he has that star power. He's just always been in the background. And so when you have him turn, like, he, he, he can do fine by himself. Right? And so can Carmelo. So that's what I would do. And so you get through Night of Champions. And so what I would then do is have Carmelo Hayes, you know, go straight for Austin Theory. Like, like, let, let's actually think this through. Carmelo Hayes retains at Night of Champions, right? Retains at Night of Champions. Trick Williams turns on him. Trick Williams wins, you know, at SummerSlam or Survivor Series, whenever their next big event. You know, I think they do Halloween Havoc sometime in October as well. He can win then. And in the meantime, you can have Omos beat Theory, become the U.S. champion, 
And what if Carmelo debuts and beats Omos for the title? Or Carmelo debuts and, and, and says, I want that title. And MVP says, Omos, you're his bodyguard. Give him the title. And they sort of transfer. It's dumb. It sounds dumb. but And you can make it work. I, I trust in Triple H enough to, to make it make sense. But I think, I think rather than Omos going down, I think pushing him where he's at, I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think Omos is as bad as people think he is. I just think it's, I think the gimmick doesn't work for him. Um, and that's where I think the big problem is. Um, so we'll move forward. Um... Again, let me know what you guys think about that. We'll move forward. His next question was about Rhea Ripley and the women's division for Raw. And the big question is right now is if you look at Raw's roster, there's no one there to challenge Rhea Ripley. Assume, I'm assuming Natty's, uh, Natalia is going to be the one the fighter at Night of Champions. It makes sense. Natty does a lot of the Saudi Arabian shows anyway. She was, she was in the first women's match in Saudi, and I'm pretty sure she was there uh, uh, at least one other time. So it makes sense why Natalia will be there. It's a, it's a quick victory for Rhea Ripley. Um, but there's really no one else there. And so, again, the same weekend as Night of Champions, you have Battleground. Unfortunately, it's the day after Night of Champions because I would say they should have swapped it, had some debuts at Night of Champions of someone like a Cora Jade. But, again, it's the cultural aspect. They're not going to bring 18 million women to the, to a Saudi show. So you got to understand that. Um, but I believe the Monday after Saudi, um, the, I think it's the first Monday in June or, uh, or the last Monday in May. I don't actually know the dates at the moment. Um, I think we get a debut of at least Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade on Raw. And potentially Gigi Dolan and J.C. Jane. I think I think the plan for for Raw's division is to, to... There's still a lot of women in NXT that need to be caught up that were in stories during the draft that needed to be complete and will be complete at Battleground. Um, and so once those stories finish, I think Braun Breaker gets caught up. I think Cora Jade gets brought up. I think Roxanne gets caught up with a potentiality of Gigi Dolan and J.C. Jane getting caught up. I definitely think the first three, Cora, Braun, and Roxanne, would definitely be on Raw. That's, that's the one that makes the most sense for me. There's still a part of me that believes that Mandy Rose is coming back. And, when t- and, and the ultimate ending to this is Gigi and J.C. sort of put together their differences, get back together, show up on the main roster with, with Mandy Rose. And I, 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 there's still a part of me that believes like a 10% chance of that happening. Even whether it's Monday night, Friday night, I don't know. And there's still a potential. And I believe it would be Friday if Mandy's part of it. But there's still a, a ch- part of me that believes that that's what happens. Um, I also think that they're going to bring, they're going to, Unify the women's, both women's tag titles, and they're going to defend on both brands. And that's how they're going to do it. I believe that's how they're going to do that. So, but the question, so that's the answer to who I think Rhea Ripley faces next. 
you could throw Roxanne Perez in starting after Night of Champions to face Rhea Ripley at a Money in the Bank. Or, um, I think that'll work, right? Have, have, have Roxanne get, the, get a title ch- opportunity at Money in the Bank. Or Cora get an opportunity at, a money, at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And then, ultimately, what I believe happens, and I've felt this for a while, is the, the easiest way to, to do this. There's two ways you can sort Because the problem we have with the women's division is the SmackDown Women's Champion is on Raw, and the Raw Women's Champion is on SmackDown. And oftentimes, what they would do is just swap titles. But they can't swap titles because Bianca's historic run is with the Raw title. Right? So what I believe happens is we have a Raw superstar, potentially Roxanne or Cora or um, there's not a lot on it. Maybe like a Becky or... uh, so you know Tegan or or what's her what's her name uh, Candice LeRae something like that a Raw women superstar you know Roxanne Cora something like that Indy Indy Hartwell uh, Zoe Stark one of them wins Money in the Bank cashes in on Bianca and brings the Raw Women's Championship back to Raw and then at at SummerSlam we have a unification match and then we have a, a, a another a new title on Smackdown I think that that's that's a potentiality or the second way you can do it is just have Rhea versus Bianca unified unify the two titles that's another way you can do it um, I don't think they go that route though because I think they really want to protect Bianca and so losing because of money in the bank is a better way to to lose than to just flat out lose to Rhea Ripley. Um, that's just my take on it. But I think that, you know, that Raw is going to get some more women, I believe, after Battleground and NXT gets a few more call-ups because they, they have a lot of women that need to move. Um, I think Nikita Lyons, whenever she's ready, will probably more than likely get just put on Raw. Um, so, so that's where I'm going with that. Um... AEW has a new TV deal, estimated at about a billion dollars, which again, good for them. I just I just don't know what Warner sees and I, I get it, it's their biggest TV program. Um on on Warner products. I understand it. And the rumor comes in that hey, this is the WWE model. Everyone was worried when Endeavor bought WWE, they were going to go to the pay-per-view model. I don't think they are. I think WWE is gonna stay the way it is. Have Peacock. They make too much money from from Peacock to to go back to pay-per-views. I'll just be completely honest. Their Peacock deal alone is a billion dollars. And I'm sure it'll be worth more when when they either renew it or... um, Which I think they will renew it. I I think it's too good of an opportunity for them to let let that slide. Um, But... It appears AEW is going to have the same sort of deal where their entire library and all their pay-per-views um, 
we'll go straight to Warner Brothers' new streaming app. So Warner Discovery used to have HBO Max and Discovery Plus. They put them together, and now it's just known as Max, um, which officially debuts May 23rd, I believe. It's a Tuesday. Um, and so, which is conveniently like the week before Double or is it Double or Nothing that's the next one? I don't even I don't watch AEW. But business-wise, hey, look, Tony Khan, you did something smart for once. Right? You did something good. You benefited your company. You got yourself a billion-dollar TV contract. Congratulations. You did something smart. You did something good. I'll give you your props. Um, I just... I, I personally just don't see why Warner would risk this type of money um, for a product that, to me, just... I mean, I'm happy for them. I'm not really here to critique the product. I just, I just don't see... Like, if I was ahead of Discovery and Warner... I just don't see it. I don't see what the appeal is of AEW to, to give that type of money over the next four or five years. In the AEW sphere, we're, we're, like I said, we're going to do this pretty quick. Soraya apparently is back in the news. I don't keep up with this drama, especially with her. Uh, to me, it sounds like all she wants is attention. Um, but apparently she was, she called fans neckbeards and, and, and smelled like, Fritos and you know the typical things that wrestling fans get called anyway by themselves um here's my problem Soraya you get mad when someone body shames you but then you your your response is to body shame and it, it doesn't surprise me because Tony Khan does the same thing Tony Khan gets on Twitter sees ESPN reporter call his number sales a lie and instead of just like letting it happen and, and, and walking away from it and, and proving them wrong by just going out and selling 90,000 tickets. Because I forgot, I think his name was Mike Coppinger, Coppinger or something like that, said that the seating was only for 45,000 and that the numbers Tony Khan were saying were a lie. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, um, but instead of reacting the way Tony Khan did, all Tony Khan should have done is said, hey, look, Go live with the show in Wembley and show that you sold 90,000 tickets. You don't have to respond the way he did. How did he respond? He said, basically, he said, you're a fucking liar, you dumbass, or something like that. I don't remember the tweet, but I know he, he went off on this dude and he looked like a child. I, I'm all for protecting your business. But, dude, you come off like an entitled little baby. And Soraya does the same thing. At some point when you're at this position, like even with me, like even with me, you know, I've been called, you know, you know, anytime you say something that goes against another person's narrative, right? I, you know, I, I'm very active in, in the political sphere outside of this. I don't p tell my political views, you know, on air for a reason. This is a wrestling podcast, not a p political podcast. But if we could get a little political, I'm not going to say anything controversial, but if we can get a little bit political, people from, from the Democrats and the Republicans have both critiqued me for saying things they disagree with, and they use the same tactics. If I can count how many times I've been sent a picture of Shrek as if that's an insult, the dude got a fucking princess. <laughs> Where's mine? <laughs> uh, so, like... The, the people who preach the most tolerance, the people who preach the most about tolerance often are the most intolerant. So Soraya's upset, oh, they're body shaming me, and then goes out and body shames. Instead of just taking the critique, 
You know how many times people are like, oh, you're fat. Oh, you're stupid. Oh, you don't know what you're talking And I just sit back and then, yeah, you might be right. You might be wrong. The worst thing you can do is respond to negativity with more negativity. And that's what I see Soraya do a lot. It, it, it just, it is what it is. So the last thing we'll do to end this episode, it's going to be a quick one. Uh, it's been a busy week, so I, don't, I really don't have a lot of time to record this. Um, and uh, so the last thing we'll do is we'll take a, in hindsight, I'm going to try to justify this hot take. The hot take is, in hindsight, when we look back on the Attitude Era, it flopped more than it succeeded, and it really isn't as good as nostalgia will let us believe that it is. So for every for every um, Degeneration X invasion of Nitro or Stone Cold beating up Vince McMahon or all the, all the segments we think of, for every one of those, you get five bad moments like Yamaguchi-san screaming, I choppy choppy your pee-pee before trying to cut off Val Venus's penis. Or Mae Young giving birth to a hand. Or Big Boss Man being hanged in the hell in a cell. And, 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 so, while we're looking at, um, the Attitude Era, I think it's best to look at it from a cultural perspective. Um, and so this whole thing came out of um, someone posted a, f- a page I follow on Facebook. I forgot which one posted um, that WWE is essentially banning people from showing like the pictures of their stitches and stuff if they get busted open during shows. And someone commented that today's wrestling is softer, and, which I would agree with. I think the culture is softer, though. Um, and that the Attitude Era was the best, this, that, and the other. My, my, my whole thing is justify your statement that the Attitude Era was the best era of wrestling. And, and basically his whole thing was, you never lived it through it live. You've like, like, the only thing I know about the Attitude, I was literally born around the same time the Attitude Era started in 1997. Four months before the screw job was when I was born. So, like, I know very little of watching the Attitude Era live. I, and I personally never started actually getting in, involved in wrestling at the level that I am now until 2014. So, I basically was told that I wasn't, or that he was a better fan than me because he watched it longer. And I couldn't tell him what I, I couldn't say he was wrong. I couldn't have an opinion. Which annoys me. The IWC gatekeeps so much, they think it's a, a, a dick-measuring competition where because you've been a fan longer and you know more, you're a better fan. Which is not... That, that doesn't work in any other fandom. It doesn't work in any other fandom. I like Star Wars. I like Star Wars, right? If I were to go up to someone who watched every single movie the day they were released in theaters, starting with what we know as episode four in the seventies and said, I'm a better fan. And he said, no, I watched everything live. Okay. Well, I've literally watched the same movies as you. I've watched the same shit. 
Just because you watched it live doesn't make you a better fan. Just because you've been a fan longer doesn't make you a better... It doesn't work that way. That's not how fandoms work. I've literally gone back and read books about, about the Attitude Era, read, watched documentaries about the Attitude Era and Nitro and the Monday Night Wars. I know a lot about it. That's not to say that I'm better than anyone, but it's to say, yeah, I've only been a wrestling fan for just under 10 years, but I know a lot about the history of it. And that, right? And so you saying, oh, you, because you didn't live it live, oh, and I know more than you, that, that's where this comes from, right? So when we actually look back at the Attitude Era, we get Triple H, D, you know, DX, Shawn Michaels and them, you get Austin, you get Taker, you get Rock. What else do you really get? What else was was a big, for every positive, there's five negatives, right? And, and I'm, I'm personally a person who has advocated for bringing back bra and panty matches. I think it would bring back a crowd. But I also understand that the current generation of people would not allow that. The fandom would not allow bra and panty matches to come back. The culture is softer, and you must understand that. I think what made the Attitude Era a success in the 90s, early 2000s, was that was what the culture wanted. We were going through sort of a cultural revolution of such where what, what I would label degeneracy or, you know, sexuality was at a high where they were promoting different types of sexuality. And whether you think it's good or bad, that's on you. I'm not here to judge your, your morality or any of that. Um, and, but the culture was, was different where we were in a state of where like punk, punk music and, and, and what was super popular at this time. And it was just rebel against the system. And that's what they were feeding and the crowd loved it. But the culture is different now. It's more of an, of a social justice, uh, you know, me, the social justice movements and the, and the Me Too movements and, and the political climate has changed to where you can't do what you did in the Attitude Era today. It just wouldn't slide. And, and 90% of what went on in the Attitude Era just wasn't good. It was stupid. If we really look at it, it was stupid. The, what, what did we really get out of the Attitude Era? We got Austin, we got Triple H, we got DX... But that's about it, Rock. That's about it, though. We didn't really get much long-term things that, like, benefited. What, we had blood and extreme gore and Mick Foley almost killed himself? I just, I just, I don't think that that part of, of, of wrestling is that popular because the, the culture. And so we must understand that as the culture changes, so will the WWE. I personally don't think the Attitude Era was all that good. I think what we have now can be just as good without the need of, of, you know, bleeding every single TV episode. I think blood every now and then is fine. I just, I just don't think, like, forcing it. And, like, bra and panties matches, first off, I wouldn't even bring those back. I just want, like, sexual gimmicks. Like, I think it's okay for Mandy Rose to be on a bikini holding the title on, a, on an episode of NXT. Now, that's the type of sexuality I'm talking about. I'm not sitting here, you know, mud wrestling. I, I don't think we need to bring that back. I don't think brawn panty matches should come back. 
But I do think there's a portion of the crowd who would benefit, or a portion of the talent who would benefit from moving to a more sexual product in terms of allowing girls to be sexy and, and, and not putting makeup on them. Like, like Ronda Rousey, every time she comes out there, Shayna Baszler, every time they go out there, they look like raccoons. And that's not a negative thing. But what the hell are they doing in the makeup department? Like, they cake this makeup on, and it just makes them look... It, it, it doesn't make them look attractive. Let's just be honest. Um, for, for a lot of the women. Um, so we'll end it there. I want to know what you guys think. Do you like the Attitude Era? Do you agree with me on that? Uh, let me know, and I will see you on the next episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast.